It's like listening to jazz guitar, yeah. hearing you talk about version control. That's pretty much kind of, you know, what I'm about. Yes. But more like bass, I think. Uh, <laughs> little slap bass. Yeah. Slap, okay. Jazz slap bass. Paul, it's 1993, okay. and we're both working on. A, We've just been born. We've just been born. We're both working on a piece of software. Yeah, it's a note-taking app for the Microsoft Windows 93. Wow! <laughs> Did you know there was a, there's an art project called Windows 93 where somebody like makes a fake Windows 93? That's a cool art. It's project. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Paul, close the file. Okay. I'm going to edit it. And as soon as I'm done, because I have an idea of how it should work, you can go back in. Right. But honestly, we're not, are we, what are we on? Like a work group folder? Like I can't even email it to you. No, no. We're on a network. Windows okay. 3.1 for networks. For work I think groups. it was called. For work groups. Windows 3 work. Yeah. You can see the file. It's or on, we're using Novell Netware. We're using Novell Netware. Yeah. As soon as I make finish it, you can, and I hit, say, just wait for me. Wait for me. All right. I need like 15 minutes. I end up taking it. 45. Yeah. And then you'll call me on the conference, on the on the desk phone. <laughs> I was thinking we were in the same room. No. All right. We're on the oh, desk. Okay. I'm like, all right, Paul, you can go in. Yeah. You call my extension. We're making a joke out of it, but this is a f really nasty problem. Oh, no. Version control. This is you and me. Imagine me a team of 50. Here's what you do. Well, there's a pro the problem is the handoff, but if you get the handoff right, then you name it, you take it and you go file underscore one file underscore. No, no you, you put, it's always three padded zero, zero, one, zero, zero, two. And everybody's like, ha ha, we'll never get up to a hundred, but you do. Yeah. You do like a deck in 1998. Yeah. A PowerPoint deck. You could see 107 versions. You could see word docs, right. strategic deliverables. So, so wait, you're working versions. when you're on version 38, you're making a set of assumptions about the code, but I'm on another file and I'm on version 22 well, now we have and to, I broke up your world. Now we have to merge them together and it is, you do it by hand torturously by looking at both. Looking at both. God help you when you have two large PowerPoint files Correct. open at the same time. Right. And then a brilliant invention shows up. Mm. Visual source safe. Oh God. What is Visual Source Safe? Right, well, well have, first off, what is this problem? What is it called? Source management or change management or the, I mean, and it, it gets articulated inside of Microsoft Word as track changes. It's the name of our podcast. Mm -hmm. But version control, there are different versions of software and different people work on them. And really what it's about is that life is not linear work is not linear two people need to work on one thing at the same time correct now we were talking about documents earlier and they're particularly hard because they're blobby and full of pictures and binary and all sorts of garbage code tends to be simple text files correct and version control and change management of code has been a huge part of computing for decades and decades and decades how can teams work together. That's right. Because it used to be, I mean, when they were doing like, you know, at Bell Labs back in the day, I think you would just be like, hey, here I am. Close the file. Well, be like, Here's the tape, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. You just, I'm going to write that right. to tape. But then actually, and then there was a whole world where like lots of people were working on one computer at a time and doing time sharing. And then they figured some stuff out there. But 
it, it rapidly, as more and more people worked on digital stuff, it became very clear that you needed ways to to manage change. You over think about time. It, the internal network, the shared network mm-hmm. was a pivotal point because you wanted that productivity of having a shared network, right? Or yeah, or the time sharing system where you're all using one computer instead of the different computers having to merge because I could come in, take your stuff, and and mess with it, right? So there's two reasons, right? One is that if two people are working something at the same time. And putting those things back together is hard. The computer can look at the two different files and be like, I see these differences. What do you want to do with it? And you can go like, well, take right. that one. Don't take that one. We need to edit that one. And then you smush them together into one file. Right. In a good world, you don't lose the old versions. They're somewhere. Because if you make a mistake, you can go back. Correct. And, and most source control does that. Well, and then the, side, the thing to hear that also matters is you kind of know who did what when. And sure. so like, you know, I can be really like, rich. Why did you do that to my file? Everything was working well with the API. And then you came in this morning and screwed it all up. And you're like, I had to move the pixel 10 things okay. to the right. So this is a big deal. You're spewing out the key requirements of what's going to make decent version control. Right? That's right. Keep versions. Mm-hmm. Huge. Don't just overwrite. That's right. Absolute requirement. Now you could save the whole file or you could just save the changes up to you. Right. Mark who did what. That's right. Who did what? Huge, mm-hmm. right? Like in a, in a very basic way, Word does this. If I if they send it to me marked up in red, like track changes. Rich added this, and and they pick, I think Word just picks another color. Like all well, of a sudden, I'm in I'm blue. Yeah, that's right. You get the different colors, and then, well, Word has gone through many versions of this, right? But there's like the big balloon on the right that's like Rich made this change, and then they track the deletion. Yes, it so. got intense at one point. Oh yeah, I, well, I, I've, I, I'm inside legal documents sometimes. It is something else. Oh my lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. is something. Okay, so know who did what. Keep versions. Keep versions around. Keep uh-huh. so don't lose your history. Okay, are we good? Solved. That alone is plenty. Okay, can I work on the same file you're working on at the same time? Yeah. See, here's what's tricky to remember. We need to track lots of files. We're not just talking about one. It might be a, okay. a big directory with lots of subdirectories and lots of files. When I take out file seven, yeah, can anyone else edit file seven? Or well, is depends. it in that my be, hands? That's locking, right? So you could lock a file and say no one else can get this. Don't touch this. Yeah. Some some different kinds of version control systems, especially in like publishing workflows. Yep. That's the primitive version. That is like, you're in a world of pain. Every time someone tries locking? to do, yeah, every time somebody tries to do locking and version control, it just means everyone's like, can I get the file? Can you please <laughs> unlock? Yeah, can somebody unlock? Okay, so know? locking's not a good idea. You would think rationally that it would be a good idea. Yeah, just idea. be like, hey, Rich is going to work on this for a while, then Paul's yeah, going to take it. It's nobody stepping on anybody. So why isn't that the best way to do it? Because humans, okay. because humans lock the file and work on it and then walk away. And leave it locked. It's just so hard for people it's bad, to do. It's, it's just bad. It never has worked. I've seen it. It also it, serializes work. It does. It does. So it means that like person A can't work on. Locking now shows up. You still see it in like marketing content management tools. Yeah. Like where it's like, I'm going to go in and edit that file. Only I can edit it. Yeah. You know, and then. then content management generally has they, a lot of this. They like to lock. They like to lock. Yeah. One of the reasons they like to lock in content management is the, the content's often really kind of arbitrary. And if I give you two text files, it's actually pretty easy for a computer to be like, oh, this line isn't in this file, but it is in this one. And it can, they're more, they're just simpler to process. Okay. But like a word processing document is very, very complicated. And it's very hard to tell 
it, it's sort of hard to tell what's different. Not at like the bite level, but at a level where it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So it's all very blobby and weird over in that world. So we're going to, let's keep talking about code for a minute. All right. So locking's bad. Locking is dangerous. Locking's dangerous. Yeah. So let's, let's leave it unlocked. So I open file seven. I add 10 lines. Okay. I add lines 12 to, to 22. And I have it on my local IDE, my local editor. Mm -hmm. And then you open file seven. Three minutes later, I had no idea Mm because it's not locked. Mm -hmm. And you edit lines 27 to 31 and then add lines 46 to 53. Okay. Now, I have it on my desktop, but I didn't see your changes. Mm -hmm. So... You push it back in and you're, and you're feeling like a hero. Well, so push it back in is really key. Hold on. You hit save. I hit save on my local drive. You hit save it works. on your local drive. It works on your local drive because mm-hmm. that's you're checking your work. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to push it back to this central location. That's right. So that that's a key thing is that a lot of version control systems rely on this sort of central authority. Okay. Let me, let me cause chaos here. Okay. You push it back in. I finish my work 10 minutes later and I push it back in mm-hmm. and I overwrite yours. That's really bad. You don't want that to happen. It's going to happen. Okay. Well, it doesn't have to happen. It must happen. <sighs> you know, you saved it at 12.03 p.m. I be, saved it at 12.10 p.m. So I used CVS, Visual Source Safe, and SVN back in the day. And I can tell you, I wasn't a good programmer back then. It was about 12, 13 years ago. I managed to shoot my... I, it would sometimes be just me using them, keeping track of my changes. You'd step on yourself. I would ruin whole projects more times than I could tell you. I'd have to <laughs> just erase the whole thing and start over. I don't know why. I just used to shoot myself in the foot. And over time, I realized these were very common experiences. Okay. And like people just had a lot... The systems that were around for tracking files yeah. were very... They they tended to be centralized. They were hard to use. Um they didn't make it easy to have lots of versions of things. Are <sighs> we going to introduce a concept? Okay. You know what? We could go through this. History's messy. Yeah. And we could go through history and we could break this up into five podcasts. Yeah. There's a good way that it's a brutal five podcasts on version. <laughs> it's a control. rough five yeah. podcast. There's a good way. Okay. And there's the modern way. That's right. Let's talk about that. Well, the modern way, now people will argue this, of course, but the modern way is decentralized version control systems. And what makes them decentralized is that you have a copy of the code and you have a copy of all the changes that came before. Okay. You download everything. And that sounds like it would be huge, but actually it's not. It all gets sort of squeezed together. Okay. So I'll give you an example. I have a text editor I use called Emacs. Okay. You can get the source code for Emacs um, from a variety of sources, and it goes back about 30 years. Okay. So I can just copy that onto my hard drive, and then I can build that software and run it. That's actually how I, because I'm a little bit of an obsessive, that's how I run my text editor. I compile my text editor on a pretty regular basis. Because you want the latest version? I want the latest version. I enjoy reading the source code. I have a I have a 20-year relationship with this piece of software at this point. All right. Well, that's sweet. Yeah, it's nice. It's one yeah. of my better, closer relationships in life. <laughs> so I get everything. Now, let's say I was a programmer. Hold on. When you say you get everything, you get not just the latest version. And when you say everything, you don't mean one file. No, I get You're getting thousands all- and thousands of files. That make up an entire discrete piece of software. That's right. And I get the ability to time travel to any major set of check-ins 
in the okay. past. So show me what this piece of software looked like in January 1999. No problem. And it'll go back in time and you have it all. No problem. It's actually a little harder. Like getting to a date is, is but around then, yes. Okay, let's say if there's 800 versions, you can go back to version 526. That is correct. Very easily. Now, there might be other branches off of that main version where people copied it and did something else. And like, you don't necessarily get every change that was ever made, except that if there was a change that led to the current state of that software, like here's what it took to get us to today, you're basically guaranteed to have that version, like all those versions going backwards. So if there was like some splinter where somebody was like, I'm going to make Kazumax. Okay, so... Why is this a better way to work? Well, the nice thing about having everything, you can make your own changes and you can compile your own software and that's all good. And if you want to go back, if they do something that you don't like, you can roll back and work from the old version. Okay, so if they let's, go, it, let's run that scenario again. You and I mm -hmm. are working on the same piece of software. Right. In this new world, let's give this world a name. Um, well, we're in DVCS world, de de decentralized version controlled systems, but we could call this planet GitHub at this point. Like this is this got this way of working got really popular okay. with GitHub. So we're using GitHub, you and I, programmer That's, one and programmer two. So what GitHub provides, the thing about version control systems like that is there actually is no canonical version. And this is really hard for people to understand. I had my copy of the software. You had your copy. You made a change. Of all the software. Yeah, You yeah. didn't just grab your file. No, that's right. You got the you whole took thing. the whole thing. The whole thing that makes your text editor, including the icon, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's all in a folder that I got from somebody, and I made a copy. You're in Kansas. Now, see, I could have made a copy from Rich. I could have said, Rich, hey, I like your version of Emacs. It works better on the Mac than mine. Uh huh. So give me yours, and then I could make a change, and I could be like, hey, Rich, check out this change, and you could be like, oh, that's a cool change. Let me merge it in. Okay, you so wait. There's an owner. The opposite. There's no owner. You and I are just sharing. Hold on. I took a copy. Yep. It's on my computer. You took it, yeah. You took a copy. It's mm -hmm. on your computer. Mm-hmm. Okay? I make a bunch of changes, mm -hmm. okay? And then I push it back anywhere well see this is where this is what people forget about git yes you can just give it to me and i can merge it you don't actually need any central repository except that one if you have a central repository it makes life a lot easier sure because then everybody's like oh when i make a change i'm going to send it on back to the github version of the file the very of top the, of, of the, the pyramid. of the version control repository I'm right gonna, i'm going to send it yeah but it's like even when you think in pyramids you kind of screw it up Basically, there can be any version of any software at any time controlled by anybody. And you can, if they have a common ancestor, they can eventually merge back together. Yes. Okay. So basically- Who decides what can, what's allowed in? Well, see, this is what's wild again about Git is that truly anybody does. But if so, with GitHub, what happened is, hey, this is, and that, that just doesn't work. It works for organizing the Linux kernel and it works for a couple other things. But for the most part... Here we go with the name dropping. No, no. I mean, the Linux kernel, Git, actually, the, this version control software that everybody talks about that is the source, the root of GitHub was created by Linus Torvalds who created the Linux kernel. Like, okay. He did it because there were all these political problems and uh, licensing problems around their source control. And so he's like, I'm going to make my own. Okay. Okay. So, but it's... It was designed in this way where everybody can have their own version of reality and then occasionally they can kind of get together and be like, let's make one version of reality. GitHub basically said, hey, you own this account. 
this will be kind of canonical. Let's say you and I made a piece of software. What should it do? A new chat app. Okay. Okay. Called Track Changes Chat App. Okay. And um, now I could create a GitHub repository and like zip it up and email it to you, and you could be working on it, and we could be we could be meeting regularly and like exchanging floppy disks. Like, there's all ways that this could work. But the way that's easiest is for me to go, hey, Rich, uh, I made a new GitHub repository for Track Changes Chat App. Go ahead and clone that onto your hard drive. Do whatever the hell you want, and then tell me about it. Okay. And push it back up to GitHub so I can get your changes. Okay. So it becomes a clearinghouse. All right, but you're going to just let my changes in? No, no, not at all. I don't have to. Hey, Rich. Paul. This is a podcast that some guy on Twitter called Just Two Jabrones Shooting the Shit. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Just, I love that review. Wow. I know. So, But it's more than that because it's the official marketing podcast of a product studio called Postlight. Postlight. Where is Postlight, Paul? 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City, Rich. Uh, Good address. A lovely, lovely shop made up of a an incredibly talented group of people, talented designers, engineers. And discipline. People very serious about their their disciplines. Engineers, yes. product managers, and designers. We and pump so, out quality stuff. We don't just call it pump like it, it is, out. man. We don't pump. We we mo well, we we carefully craft and release. And then <laughs> fair. <laughs> Hold uh, on, I gotta pump some stuff out. So reach out to us. Uh, yeah, we'd love hello to talk. at postlight.com. Yes. And uh, that go that email goes straight to me and Rich. So look, if we go too far in the weeds here, everyone's going to throw their podcasting radio out the window. Yes. All that we got to know is that GitHub gave us this nice centralized way to keep track of changes that anybody might make, keep track of who made them. But most critically, because changes tend to kind of come in conflict with each other. Like, let's say I change line 10 and you change line 10. We have two line 10s now. What are we going to do? Who decides? Well, there's an old version of the software, and I upload my version in what's called a branch. Let's say the main version is called master. I get a copy, and I call it Paul's version. Mm -hmm. And I, I send Paul's version up to GitHub, and then I say, hey, I'd like to merge this back into master. Okay. You got two copies of the same software. There's one line difference between them. Okay. That's called a pull request pull requests, which isn't very intuitive. No, but this is the big deal. Like all day long, people at Postlight do pull requests. That's what building software is these days. Pull requests means? I went and made some changes. And then in a special version of my of the software that mm -hmm. I named, I just gave it a name, any name. Yeah. Then I put it up to GitHub and I said, hey, whoever controls this account, can you go ahead and take a look at the changes I made? I, did, I issued a pull request, and that's basically what that implies. Got it. And they look at it, and they go, okay, well, it looks like you changed line 10. Looks pretty good. Looks good. I don't think it's going to break anything. You wrote some tests, and they passed. Hmm. I'm going to merge it. Right. They hit a button, and the new world and the old world combine, mm -hmm. and the old world and the new world are now one. There's this is almost this like hierarchy there's ownership at the top that's right it's a tree yeah yeah exactly it's funny when you look at how when they visualize this stuff it looks weirdly like a railroad like you're kind of moving along and every now and then like a car will veer to the right sure that's a branch and then it'll keep going for a while and then it'll merge back in it'll go it'll go left and suddenly you all you have one big 
forward motion again. So in a way, the, the revelation here, like the big change is policing at the top level. Let everyone work. Nobody right. can step on anyone else, but to maintain order up at the top as you go up. Very, very low coordination, right? Like very you can low just coordination. Kind of, everybody go work and, you know, check back in. Check back in. And I'll I'll worry about whether this deserves to upgrade up into the master. And we're just going to assume that there's this one canonical version on GitHub. Wonderful. There's actually something very social in GitHub's architecture. Well, and what Git does is allow for lots and lots of different cultural patterns for building software. That's mm-hmm. what Git as a piece of open software did. GitHub as a closed platform and service that people can pay to use or use sometimes for free as well provided one clear path for getting lots of different kinds of things done. Right. You know who should buy GitHub, Paul? Mm, Adobe? Mm, They tried. Didn't work out. (laughs) Did they? Probably. Probably. I think Google did. Surprised Google didn't end up buying GitHub, but Microsoft bought GitHub. Yeah. And it just put it up on the shelf next to LinkedIn. That's true. It makes the den look so much nicer. I mean, honestly, LinkedIn is rough. Do you know the the Marlin Stadium? Yeah, that crazy. There's, a, there's an artist named Red Grooms, who I love. But yeah, it's the crazy when, carnival like. When there's a home run, in the dolphins back. fly around in this enormous sculpture. Yeah, it's really cool. I love it. It's a giant piece of glorious American trash, and it's intended to be. And it's just this like huge. So people, That's great. People hate it. Right. It's like the most hated sculpture. Who is it? Is it Derek Jeter who's now investor? Somebody's invested deeply and, and wants to get that thing out. Oh, really? Well, LinkedIn looks like that sculpture <laughs> in the den. A little bit. Like it's you're starting just like, to clean up a No, little, I know, though. but you're sitting there watching Netflix and then suddenly Oof. those dolphins are running around. Yeah. That's what LinkedIn yeah. looks like. GitHub is like a Bose stereo. Yeah. Like it's a little it's like cooler. A, yeah. It's not, it's not truly yeah. high end on your yeah. file, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Growing up, my parents had this huge lacquered photo of a rose in our living room. Mm, that's good. It was like on wood. Oh, yeah. Kind of shiny, but it was essentially a photograph of yeah. a rose that was poster size. Right. And uh, it probably created a more anxious household, frankly. It's just that big rose. This <laughs> is the big rose hanging over us. I do feel like shellacking and laminating things was a real part of culture that doesn't... I've never shellacked in yeah. my life. There is a product manager at LinkedIn who said, no more shellacking. That's right. Enough. That's right. Right. Paul, we could create more and more versions of this and ask for pull requests. Well, I mean, why, I did think... my, why did Microsoft buy GitHub? I think that's what people need to understand. To reconnect Microsoft to a new way of working. That's right. And I think, first of all, Microsoft has always been great about developers. Yes. Like for all of their faults and their Justice Department shenanigans, no one ever doubted that they truly cared about giving people a good experience writing software. Yes. And so this is very in keeping with the core ethos of the company. Yeah. Like they, they want people to be more productive making and doing things with computers at a low level. It's yeah. always been part of them. And so it just aligns culturally and it's a truly well-respected, well-regarded fundamental piece of infrastructure related to how people use computers. It, it, it ties into a lot of workflow yes. and a lot of sort of the way we do things now. Correct. We must do a hundred pull requests a day sometimes. I mean, just yeah. we're constantly using this thing. Sure, sure. 
So it makes sense along those lines. $7.5 is a lot of money, but then again, they issued stock for it, and, eh. and their stock price went up, so they kind of got it for free. Yeah. They can, you can that, do, when it gets can, into that it's an abstract nation, view of money. It's a nation state. It's yeah, like asking, it's you a, know, what Greece thinks about, you know, Algeria. Water. Yeah, or, or what? <laughs> All right. Well, I so, say we keep this version, Well, Paul. I think what do people need to know? I think they just need to know that there's things out there that are absolutely fundamental to the digital world that track the changes that large teams make. Yes. And also, these tools used to be inside of enterprises, and now they're democratic. They're relatively decentralized and could be truly decentralized if you want to. We actually kind of everyone opted into GitHub because it took some pain away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a tough one. Everyone should have a GitHub account. Everyone should. And you don't have to code to no, have one. It really is not necessary. Write. You can you like at, to write. Put it in GitHub. You can you can learn how things work just by messing around with text files. Yes. And it is it is a piece of the infrastructure. So go check it out. All right, Rich. That's fun. I like talking about version control. I, I feel that we had to kind of keep it. I had to keep some of my passion at bay. Just yeah, to, you were getting a, you were you went off the rails a couple of times. I don't. But that's okay. It's brutal. It's a brutal it's subject. Okay. But when you get really into it, you start to think yeah. like, what if the whole world was in under version control? Yeah, we just got to get a hold of ourselves. No, at I that know point. we do. But I yeah. still love the te- you know I, that technology does that to you. Yeah. Like we need to rearrange society around this. Uh, hello at postlight.com. Uh, five stars on iTunes. If you want, too. if you want, we like that. And we're, uh, we're on a roll there. There's a lot of love there. Yeah, we really appreciate the kindness that people show towards this podcast. Um, yes, it's very sustaining. Yes. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. Hello, postlife.com. Let's get back to work. Yeah.